One of the bleakest stories by respected writer Owen Marshall, Coming Home in the Dark, is the basis for the new film of the same name. Owen published the story of a family tormented by strangers in central Otago back in 1995. Filmmaker James Ashcroft acquired the rights to it a few years ago and has fleshed out the characters, especially that of the brutal central one, Mandrake. After its premiere at the Sundance Film Festival, it's screening here soon. Got a whole place to yourselves. I should probably introduce myself, shouldn't I? Mandrake. I'm a magician. I make things disappear. In his many novels and short stories, Owen's proved himself an expert at capturing the inner lives of everyday people, lives of quiet desperation, rage, unfulfilled dreams and enduring hope. Coming Home in the Dark is a departure for the multi-award-winning Timaru-based writer. To tie in with the movie's release, he's included it in a new book of short stories selected from his previous 13 collections. Owen, I want to take you back to the genesis for Coming Home in the Dark. I mean, it is a truly terrifying story, and I think I have to agree with um, Fiona Kidman in the foreword to your collection that it should really be rated as one of the most powerful and terrifying stories in New Zealand literature. So what took you to this place? Well, it is a nasty story, Lynn, uh, and uh, thank you for having me on your programme. I suppose the the um, inspiration for this story some years ago came from just reading about the occasional random violence in our society, uh, where people are going about their business in a, in a perfectly normal and happy way, and then they happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and something terrible happens. Uh, you know, someone on, on pee breaks into the old lady's flat and smothers her and eats, eats her bacon and eggs and then wanders off down the street. And so uh, it, it is a dark story uh, and uh, it's, it's just really posited on that idea of, of how random violence sometimes strikes. You will explore little individual sadnesses in, in your work and regrets and that sort of thing, but this feels such a different kind of story. Was it a difficult one to write? I mean, obviously one that you felt, a story that you felt should be told, but was it hard to inhabit, say, Mandrake's brain? Uh, it, it was, and um, also it was, it was hard to sort of dispense with the, the children in such, a, such an awful way. But um, these things do occur in society, and I think in one's writing, both uh, the, the, the joys and the agonies of life um, should be expressed. You've written, of course, now it must be hundreds and hundreds of short stories um, over your long career. When you were approached for Coming Home in the Dark to be uh, turned into a film, did that come as a surprise? No, it didn't come as a surprise because I think quite a lot of writers have over their career um, approaches uh, and uh, people take options out on their work and 99% of those options never come to anything because the screenwriters and, and the production people push through, they, they end up with a shooting script, often of high quality, and then suddenly they're faced with the, uh, the necessity of finding a great heap of money. But in this case, um, James Ascroft came to talk to me, I uh, suppose, two or three years ago now, and 
wanted an option on uh, a couple of my stories, and this was one of them, and I was very happy to give that. And luckily, this was uh, something that did come to fruition, partly, I think, um, through the support of the New Zealand Film Commission. It's one thing for a novel to be the basis for a film because that's a big, you know, a big tome, if you like. This is a story told very succinctly in your style and really just in 30 pages. So I guess were you interested, you must have been interested to see how James and the team would take the genesis of that story and expand it out to be, I guess, an hour and a half or so. Yes, you're quite right. It needed quite a lot of backstory built into it. And it was interesting to see how James Ashcroft and also his screenwriting collaborator Eli Kent went about the business. And the, and the, the story has changed quite considerably from, from what it was built on. And that, and that had to happen because of the, of the expanded nature of the film. And, uh, Whereas the short story is is built on the premise of random violence, uh, James and Eli built in more of a backstory um, to give greater complexity to what was happening with the with the characters. I think. So, were you particularly interested? I wonder to find out the backstory for Mandrake because what we learn of him in these thirty or so pages is that he is an intelligent man. He is a he's a, a reader, and he's in a way fully aware of the cruelty of his actions and does them just the same? I think the, the, the personality, the twisted personality of Mandrake remains much the same. What has changed in the film, in the, scre- in the screenplay, is that it becomes evident that there is a connection in the past between Hoagie and Mandrake. And, and that's really one of the big changes in, in terms of what happens in the film. I imagine that the the landscape that you write of in this, of course, we see in the film is. I mean, often the, the landscape is an extra character in the story. Yes, I'm always interested in settings. I hope that I'm a visual writer, and when when I read, I I want to have a visual sense of not only just who people are, but where they are. So I think uh, landscape and cityscape are quite important for me in in my writing. And also, it's it's very much a vital uh, element in terms of of the visual um, medium of film. Oh, and did you give James and the team full reign? I mean, I've, I've spoken to so many authors over the years, and some have had great experiences when their work has been turned into a film or a TV series, others not so much, you know, and they've ultimately been disappointed in how their work's been portrayed on screen. How about you, when you sat down and you you saw the film, what was your reaction to it? I guess to the faith that you'd given to the guys. You do, you do have to allow the the director and the actors to do their own thing. Film and literature are different mediums. And so um, you have to let go in a way and then sit back and see uh, what, what they have done with, with your story or with your novel. And uh, no, no um, film is perfect and no story is perfect. But I, I was impressed with the final film. As I say, it's not a nice film, it's a nasty film. It's meant to be a dark thriller. But uh, it was interesting to see uh, the um, critics' responses after the world premiere at the uh, Sundance Film Festival in the USA that uh, generally they were positive. And in particular, 
They had a lot of praise for James's directing, and I think that was well-deserved. A great time, of course, to bring out a collection. And again, I think there must be hard choices for you, Owen, because for all these, as I say, hundreds of stories written um, over the years to select a handful of them, really, for this collection. So when you did so, were you looking for a theme or were you looking for diversity or were you looking for favourites or memorable short stories? How did you go about it? Well, that's a good question because you you can't just necessarily have uh, the pick of the bunch because you might then end up with far too much uniformity. So when you're looking for a sort of, um, you know, a selection from quite a few, I mean, 13 previous collections or selections, you're wanting a variety of tone and setting and themes, not just necessarily the best overall. So that that does uh, does become quite a difficult task in a way. To some extent, perhaps, you are uh, influenced by other people's opinion of stories, uh, but basically it's your, it's your own judgment of which have been the most successful of the things that you've attempted. You've clearly put a lot of thought also, Owen, into the structure. So we come off the back of Coming Home in the Dark, which, as you say, is a tough read, and into Living as a Moon, which is uh, you know, looking at the lives of uh, impersonators of famous yeah. people and, um, and the rather delightful Estelle uh, and her impersonator. And, I, I mean, that's just such a, a beautiful story. So you must have given some time to, you know, a collection is a bit like an album. You know, it has to have a, a flow, doesn't it? You're telling a story with the way you order your work. Yes, well, I think I'm interested in the business of living and I like to have a range of, of stories and novels uh, which illustrate the, the, the joys, the tribulations, the, the high points and the low points of, of uh, the life that we lead. And I am a reasonably um, realistic writer, hopefully with some sort of poetic uh, tints in terms of style. But it's it's everyday people in everyday life which really interests me the most. And these moments, I was just thinking about Iris uh, and, you know, a a mum, but somebody who was always hoping for something better, maybe, you know, a, a lotto win or, you know, her daughter marrying well, but throughout her entire life always always hoping for better and and even though things didn't really go her way I, I I got a sense that you know she never stopped hoping which is quite a lovely element of the human spirit yes she she was a fighter wasn't she and she never let go her dreams and also she was so supportive of her daughter who is a narrator in the story so yes I, I like the idea of the indomitable people even if they haven't had great advantage in life they may not have had much of an education or a job or even even many opportunities, but they don't give up. They keep fighting. And I think in a way that's, that's an aspect that we admire in people that we see, we see about us. Are you an observer, Owen? Do you, I'm sure I've asked you this before, actually. Do you walk around with a, with a notebook? Are you an eavesdropper? <laughs> <laughs> you know, where do your ideas come from? Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, am, I think all writers have to be observers. And also they have to be listeners and, and they, they have to be questioners. I think often the, the writer is not necessarily the, the person right at the centre of the group, not necessarily the raconteur. The writer is often the person who is watching, listening, assessing, 
looking for motivation and so on. And I do, I do record. I keep a, a, a journal, and uh, largely on the computer these days. So things that I may hear, that I may read, that I that I might um, participate in, some of those things go in the journal, and some of them eventually uh, emerge in, into the writing. What are you writing about? right now? What, I mean, a lot of people are reflecting on the, the year we've just had and are continuing to have, and that's finding its way into their work, whether they're artists or writers or comedians. What about you, Owen? Well, I've been fortunate enough recently to receive a, a grant from Creative New Zealand, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, after several novels, I've gone back to short fiction, and um, next year... Penguin Random will uh, will publish another collection of my short fiction because novels tend to be more commercially successful than short fiction. And for some years, I decided to concentrate on novels, um, but now I've gone back to doing some short fiction. So um, I'm very lucky that I have a very supportive publisher and Harriet Allen at Penguin Random and. Uh, She's encouraged me to do another collection of stories and they'll come out, I think, late next year. I love short stories. They make me sad, though, most of them. They, they linger because there are so many truths in there. But we get, a, yeah. we get a snapshot, don't we? We get a fraction of someone's life. And you do end up wondering, what, what happens next? <laughs> you know, what yes. happens? And, and when, you've got, when you've got people as, as wonderful overseas as Alice Munro and William Trevor and, uh, and so on, and we, we also the short story has a very honourable tradition in New Zealand literature. You know, our first sort of significant literary writers, Catherine Mansfield, Frank Sargent, they were short story specialists. And uh, as I say, the short story has been very important in New Zealand literature. And, and, and although, although they're not as popular in, in the marketplace, I think they're still there and there are many aficionados uh, of the short story. And I think that's a good thing. After all, the, the, I was very pleased to see that the uh, winner of the Acorn Prize at the Ockhams this year was, uh, was Bugweek, wasn't it? A collection of short fiction. Yeah, that's Irene Beautrays, yeah. Yes, that's great. Oh, and you've got uh, Fiona Kidman, Dame Fiona Kidman, writing your foreword for you, really thoughtful uh, forward. And, and again, as a writer, reading those kinds of reflections and, and words must mean a lot to you. Yes, well, Fiona is a very accomplished short story writer herself, as well as a, as a, a very complete novelist. And I appreciate that sort of support very much. I think, you know, I'm, I'm influenced by people like Fiona and Vincent O'Sullivan and, and others. And uh, that mutual support from colleagues, I think, is, is important to a writer. I think it must always be quite something for uh, for a writer or a, or an artist looking back. You know, when you're compiling something like this and you're thinking about your 13 previous collections and making those selections from it. You know, to read, to be reacquainted sometimes with your early work and thinking about how you're writing now. Do you think you found your writing voice quite quite quickly? I think, well, uh, in a way, I, I wasn't an early... I wasn't published early, and I didn't start writing all that early. I didn't have anything... I don't think anything published in my 20s. So I think perhaps my, my voice was, was, was reasonably settled by the time I came to writing. I concentrated on, on sports and on my teaching and so on for some years. I was in my 30s, well into my 30s, before I began to uh, publish regularly. But 
we all change as individuals, and so I think our, our creative voice changes. And another thing which I think has influenced my writing is the fact that uh, for a long time I didn't travel overseas, and then my writing gave me opportunities to do so. And that, of course, had quite an influence. And uh, I'm now able to employ a much greater range of settings, which I enjoy. I was fortunate enough to have... Um, the Catherine Mansfield Fellowship in Montaigne in France, and I've had trips to Antarctica and China and France and so on. And, and that has enlarged my, not just my understanding, but the, the scope of things that I can write about.